If you're not unlocking the full value of your SaaS, what are you doing? There is no denying it. SaaS is mission critical to your company's growth and success. And as the number two operating expense for most organizations, it's your biggest opportunity to save money and drive efficiency. The time is now to do something about it. Please take this as your personal invitation to join me and your fellow IT, SAM, finance, and procurement leaders at SASME on May 16th, 2023. SASME is the industry's only dedicated SaaS management event where you can sharpen your skills, hear from your peers, and learn how to unlock value and responsible business growth through smarter SaaS management. It's virtual, it's free, and it's going to knock your socks off. Register today at sasme.com. That's S-A-A-S me.com. It's time to get your sassing gear. Are you with me? You don't know where to start if you don't know what you have, how can you best organize it, and really making sure that you can organize all of your licenses so that you can lead to optimizing, right? And optimizing really your stack, your portfolio towards what ultimately is your vision and goals for the business. Hello, hello, and welcome to SaaS Me Unfiltered, the SaaS management podcast. The show with give it to you straight, real life advice from pros knee deep in SaaS every single day. SaaS management superheroes just like you. Welcome back to another episode of SaaS Me Unfiltered. So glad to have you join us this week. I'm Corey Wheeler, co-founder and chief customer officer here at Zylo. And I'm Ashley Hickman, manager of customer success at Zylo. Well, we are very excited to welcome our special guest for today's episode. This professional I'm very close with, I've worked with uh, this person for a little while now, began her career in software sales, interestingly enough, which I think has a lot of parallels to SaaS management with Cvent, then spent many years in IT consulting. But not only that, she's got her master's in Italian. She's actually taught Italian to undergrads previously. And what other professional has their master's in Italian and is also a very, very effective project management professional and certified scrum master. I am speaking about none other than our very own Ashley Hickman. So Ashley, welcome. Great to have you here on the Unfiltered Podcast to dive into your background. Yeah, yeah. Happy to be here. You know, I was just around, so it made sense to pop into that. <laughs> well, that's fantastic. Well, I'm excited to dig into a, several different concepts with you today. As we talk about on this podcast, we've heard from a lot of leaders around how they're building SaaS management, what that value is inside their organization. And your perspective is really going to help round out how we think about SaaS management as well. But before we do that, I want to understand some of those passions that you've got today as well. I just touched on it. You've got your master's in Italian. So talk to me a little bit about that. Have you been to Italy? Have you really immersed yourself in it? And speak a little bit to that background passion. Overall, this is something that I'm sure we'll spend time digging into today, but I've had a lot of curiosities 
in my life and especially in my professional career, I've tried a lot of things out and something that I decided when I, and also I like to challenge myself. So when I went to college, I decided I wanted to learn another language. Italian was at noon every day. French was at 8 a.m. every day. <laughs> so I chose Italian, chose a smart path and truly enjoyed it. I loved it. And that was from my first semester of college until the very end. So I had an opportunity to, yes, immerse myself, been to Italy a few times um, and and really just built a lot of great relationships out of it, learned a lot about the culture, learned a lot about grammar in the course of learning the Italian language. So overall, it was a really great experience for me, a great passion, and ultimately led to me getting a master's in Italian. It was really a passion project, was figuring out what I wanted to do, what I didn't want to do, and had an opportunity to dive into Italian for two years and teach uh, Italian 101 and 102 at UVA. Well, that's great. Do you have another follow-up trip plan? When is the next time or is it kind of on the list to be headed over there again soon when you can make it? Yeah, definitely on the list. So I had a little pause here during the pandemic doing a lot of traveling, but that is something hopefully in the coming year or so have an opportunity to go back and hopefully with some friends and see some friends over there. One of my favorite places I've been in the world as well. I've got that as uh, to do with my family to take everybody over. It's just beautiful. What's your favorite part of Italy? Definitely Southern Italy. That's where I spent a lot of time. A lot of people tend to spend time in Florence or other parts of Northern Italy, which are beautiful, wonderful, a lot to be said there. But I did have an opportunity to spend some time in Lecce, which is the heel of the boot. And a lot of other places in Southern Italy I have a good friend in Naples who's from there, spent some time in Sicily. And I just love the food down there, the people. It's very different. It's truly a different language. So, you know, Italian and then there's Napolitano or like whatever the dialect might be. So that was something that I've always enjoyed. And Southern Italy is just gorgeous. So definitely yeah, yeah. one of my favorites. 100%. Yeah. Well, you know, I think as I did the introduction, I walked through your impressive background. I'd love to understand and let the audience understand, you know, how are you translating that background? What are you doing today at Xylo? And how does that background really translate into the role that you're executing on today? Yeah. So that, I mean, I will say we don't have any, uh, not yet, Italian customers, you know, a Ferrari or someone else wants to talk to us, <laughs> let us know. So not directly using my language skills, but I did just have an opportunity over the course of learning the language. And then in grad school for two years, I was basically doing public speaking and communicating to my professors, to the students that I was teaching. And that was a really great opportunity for me to just kind of work that muscle and, and speak with people. It also really led me to, as you mentioned already, my next role. I was all about trying things out. That's what I've done my entire life. So trying out, I decided after learning Italian and, and really kind of devoting myself to that really at that higher level, at the graduate level, I wanted quote unquote business experience, whatever that meant. I wanted business experience. So I went to actually the career fair at UVA. I found C-Vents. They're right out here. I live here in Northern Virginia. They're in Northern Virginia and ended up kind of diving into that and figuring out like, what is tech, tech software? I was aligned with our enterprise customers. So that was just learning their business, their business problems and how C-Vents technology was able to help solve that. The background at Cvent and SaaS sales certainly plays a really direct role into SaaS management. The procurement of SaaS, the buying of SaaS in a distributed way, and the operations and the administration around all of that has really changed how companies are managing one of their most important assets internally. So that's fantastic. Then how did your work in IT consulting translate in as well? 
Yeah. So again, was looking to try some stuff out. And so I did go to a smaller consulting shop and was there first for sales, but very quickly was learning the business. I'd been a very curious person and always interested in how things are done, how people ended up in the roles that they're in um, and all of that. So very quickly caught on to all the different projects they were doing. It was a custom shop, a Microsoft partner. So all the technologies, all the solutions that we were building off of were Microsoft for the most part. And every project was unique because everyone's environment, their technology, their setup, their architecture, everything was unique. And I loved that challenge of like, how are we going to go in? Customers would come to us or clients with a the problem. So it's like, how are we going to figure this out? And there was no blueprint for anything. And I really loved that. It was definitely a challenge. Not going to lie. It was a grind, but I loved figuring out like, Hey, they're coming to us with this huge problem. How are we going to solve it? And often with Microsoft, figuring out a lot of stuff on SharePoint, leveraging some automation technologies. So I had the opportunity to do a lot of project management, do some uh, business analysis work. So definitely more on the functional side, a lot of testing, but that was a great experience for me to work with just an incredible team. Everyone was wicked smart. And I learned so much during my time there. And yeah, it was a really good experience and something that I've been able to carry now here at Silo. I love that. Okay. Well, today, a little self-promotion here. Today is one of my special days. Today is six years to the day from when I came on board and launched Xylo with a few of my co-founders. So I'm pretty introspective about the early days of SaaS management. And when I think about that, six years has gone very, very quickly, but we are still very much in the early stages of SaaS management, specifically within the enterprise. So as you think about translating your knowledge of software and then your knowledge of IT and what they're looking to solve for and those problem points... And being in the early days of SaaS management, how do you view that? What are your favorite parts about being in early and helping shape this in the industry? Everything that you're speaking to, Corey, that's why I'm here at Silo, right? I had one conversation with you and I'm like, "Ah, I should probably consider coming to Silo. So I think a lot of people feel like that when they talk with you, Corey. Um, You're very passionate about SaaS management. And so that's something that really drew me to like wanting to be a part of something, not building something. And specifically kind of going back to all the work I did previously, which was very custom, was getting a problem set and how are we going to figure out how are we going to solution towards it? How are we going to build it and ultimately deliver? So that's something that kind of being able to do that with SaaS management, because very on a lot of my projects that I was working on previously, we'd always start out with, what are you using? What do you have? And people couldn't answer the question, right? Like you would have, well, let's get marketing on the phone. Let's get IT. Because like IT, they think they know everything. Like they think they're managing quote unquote everything, depending on the setup, et cetera. We worked with a lot of IT orgs that thought they, from a governance perspective, that like, well, yeah, we own all the applications and they're just using XYZ. And it was very quickly not the case. So I saw that problem every day with what I was doing. So the opportunity to go to a product company, and really like work on the kind of bringing what is SaaS management, defining that practice, defining those best practices, those processes, et cetera, with such a strong technology. And that's something I've enjoyed here is like how to like kind of define that with our really partner with our customers and define that for them. So this is all fantastic detail. Now, I relate this as you're going through you know, solving problems and understanding the customer. And I think there's a collaboration approach that you'll probably talk to a little bit as well. But the first question when we go on board with our customers is, oh my gosh, uh, how does my data stack up against other customers? And where are all the problems that we need to identify? But then once we go live, the customer says to us, what do I do? You have shown us 
visibility that we've never had. You've discovered everything across our environment. You've identified all of these opportunities that we should be actioning on, but what do I do? And you've really been at the forefront of being able to do that for some of our largest customers. Where you've really moved things forward is establishing a SaaS management practice. How have you done that with some of the largest customers that you're working with today? Yeah, great question. So that is... I think first and foremost for anyone when you're working with a team or, you know, like, hey, we're a vendor, we're working with our our customer, listening to what they care about most, you can't boil the ocean. So that, to your point, Corey, people go live with a tremendous amount of data and where to start. So helping shape the direction of what their journey is going to look like, what they're going to prioritize is something that I've really enjoyed and having that opportunity to do so. Most recently, we have a very recently been working with them now for going on year and a half, but we have a very large pharma company that really we've taken a more traditional asset management team. And they are the whole reason that, you know, they've engaged with us, partnered with us is that there has been this tremendous shift from on-prem to cloud solutions. So partnering with that team and helping them on that journey of their focus traditionally has been on-prem and like, what do they need to focus on now with SaaS, right? And helping them establish what that governance needs to look like, how that needs to be enforced, et cetera. So that's something that really, that's been a great opportunity is like figuring out what that journey looks like for them, especially with pharma. There's certain regulations that they have to be beholden to. So really teasing that out with, you know, best practices, as well as our technology. That's certainly something that, yeah, has been really great to see because they've, I mean, they're just like kicking ass now, right? Like they're really crushing it. They're very far along in terms of where they started and where they're at today, have a really great team. They have buy-in from the top. They have, you know, really collaboration across the organization to get to their goals and objectives as a business. Yeah, that's great. That's creating a practice, right? SaaS management is new across all of our customers, the establishment of processes, governance, controls around all of that, and really just a strategy is brand new as well. I love that example that you provided. Following up on that example, a lot of customers ask us to back that with data, right? And to be able to help them understand where they might be out of line in the market, yep. where they're beginning stats seem like they could be something to monitor and track over time. And maybe talk a little bit about how we bring data together with a journey and with that practice and that establishment to be able to put that full strategy together. Yeah, absolutely. So that's something that when you're ever you're making a business decision, you need to, I think everyone knows, right? Or if you're in that seat right now, you have to have that data to support whatever outcome or goal, you know, whatever you're What's your finish line, right? Whatever you're trying to look to solve for. So that's something with any SaaS management provider, right? You're coming to the table, you have a lot of data, and then it's like, what to do with it? And so something that we've recently, we went to market with just here at Silo, and I want to say it was like December, that January timeframe was our, was essentially benchmarks. We have a benchmarking product and it really essentially goes into three tiers. But the whole point of it is that making informed decisions, like not just saying like, we need to do this because meh, like, I don't know, like they, like having some data to base their decisions off of are really important. Something also that a lot of customers ask us, and this is something that I saw it in my previous, like in consulting, and I definitely hear a lot from our customers now, everyone wants to know 
what like, well, how does like, how are your other customers doing it, right? How do other people doing it? And these are people like, you could be a small 100 person company, you could be a 50,000 person enterprise. And it's the same thing across the board. So with our benchmarks, um, Xylo benchmarks, that's where we have that opportunity to leverage the data that we have against kind of like, you know, a, a subset, essentially their data or like a cohort, depending what it is. But that's really where we see our customers. Specifically, we have a very large SaaS company, right, who leverages our benchmarks really at that portfolio level, right? So looking at kind of where they stack against that question I was speaking to earlier is like, how are we doing against XYZ, right? People always want to, people are measuring themselves up. They want to be best in breed with what they're doing, right? And that's something that kind of looking at the portfolio level, are we high when it comes to expense? Are we high when it comes to maybe specific areas of spend? So that's something kind of starting the portfolio all the way down to price benchmarks. Of course, that's important as well. Everyone wants to know they're getting a good deal. That's something we hear a lot from our customers. Like, how do I know that I'm not getting screwed over, right? Yeah. Yeah. So leveraging the price benchmarks, this again, this large SaaS company, leveraging that when they're going in for renewals, right? As well as net new purchases when they're going in, entering into those large EAs or just really starting out with like, hey, we're going to try this out before we look at something larger and and making sure that they're being very intentional with their net new purchases. Yeah. Data-driven confidence. And confidence is important when we think about each of the different functional stakeholders in a business. They're all making independent decisions and they're doing so in a vacuum. And organizationally, I think, you know, I'm a little long in the tooth uh, from an experience perspective, but the days of really the only channel to be able to understand peer set data, operational data has been through different analysts channels. And that is usually siloed to a few people in the organization. So the ability to open up this data set to really drive confidence, data-driven confidence for our customers executing on SaaS management has been a lot of fun. So I love your perspective there. Let's talk a little bit about right now. What are you focused on in your day-to-day in mid-2022, you know, looking at the back half of the year? You know, how are you focusing your customers and your team around that end goal of wild, successful SaaS management deployments? A big focus right now for the customer success team. And I would say like, I mean, of course, I'm talking about our team here at Silo, but this is applicable to anyone undergoing like a transformation when it comes to SaaS management or how you're managing technology within your business is kind of figuring out what that journey is going to look like, what that focus is going to be, and making sure it's an iterative process. So that's something right now in terms of across our customer set, everyone's at a different starting point, right? And also like, hey, we're all playing the same game. Some of us are playing a bigger game. Some of us are playing a smaller game. So just figuring out for each and every one of our customers kind of where they're at and being incredibly intentional about getting them to the next level, right? So that's something we think about what does SaaS management look like when it comes to like setting up practice within your organization, enterprise SaaS management, we work with incredible enterprise customers. So there are some definitely some specific needs when it comes to the enterprise, when it's truly at this tremendous large scale. So figuring out what to focus on when, we touched on that at the top, that's a really important kind of focus and start for a lot of our customers. We specifically went live like very recently with a a life sciences customer and helping them establish a SaaS management practice from scratch. That continues to be 
it's a big focus, right? It's like they were literally told they were going to fail internally. And we went live right after implementation with a tremendous amount of savings and a tremendous amount of progress just right out of the gate. So replicating that, seeing where we can replicate that across all of our customers who are going live. And then for ones that are in different phases, kind of looking at from an implementation perspective, like making sure we're really harnessing the power of all the different data sources that our customers have. So if it's that implementation phase, making sure we're maximizing, we have a great implementation team who's really focused on that. And then from a SaaS consulting perspective, are they looking to organize? Are they looking to optimize? Are they looking to orchestrate? It's kind of our framework that we have and the really the focus for the SaaS consultants across our customers. So organizing everything, you don't know where to start if you don't know what you have. How can you best organize it and really making sure that you can organize all of your licenses so that you can lead to optimizing, right? And optimizing really your stack, your portfolio towards what ultimately is your vision and goals for the business. That is a wonderful framework and a wonderful way to think through it. Organizing the mess, optimizing by setting that programmatic optimization machine, and then orchestrating that data throughout your environment. I think it's a a well-put way to think about SaaS management maturity in a business. What are the biggest dependencies there? So certainly there are missteps that have happened within SaaS management, but how do you view the largest dependencies to being able to create a successful SaaS management practice optimization machine, really centralized governance of a decentralized category across your entire company? where I've seen our customers be the most successful in defining, maintaining, sustaining their SaaS management program really comes down to two things. And some of this has come up like themes on like other guests, Corey, that we've Mm -hmm. spoken with. So the big thing, executive buy-in. So having essentially leadership support, that's tremendously important. Not only like, hey, yes, let's pick a SaaS management provider. Like, well, we need more than that, right? In terms of having a successful practice and making decisions, that's the biggest thing is that there are going to need to be, if you want progress, like something needs to happen, right? So some tough decisions are going to have to be made in some regard. And so having support from a leadership team or individual or sponsor is huge. And that's really what ultimately is where we see our most successful customers are with when they have that support from leadership and then collaboration across the business. So Brad spoke about this. Chris spoke about this. We heard about this with Sam as well. Other people that we've spoken with thus far, where we see, where I see our customers be the most successful with any, like whatever the vision and goal is, because it is going to shift. It's going to iterate. It's going to change. They need to have collaboration across the business, across the teams. We've said like SaaS is a team sport, (laughs) right? That's very much true in the case and where I see customers being able to kick ass every day. Yeah, I think... As we've looked at the last six years retrospectively, you know, I think a lot of the optimization goals, whether that be increasing the adoption of your products or optimizing mm-hmm. on spend, have been a little bit looser, I'll say. I think now what we are seeing in the markets is a slowdown, right? And so where a CFO may have played a backseat role to SaaS optimization, you know, we're now seeing that CFO play a primary role. And we really start to see where some of this economic slowdown is impacting some of our customers in terms of you know elevating what SaaS management has become. And this is a really important point in mid-2022 that I think every organization is looking at right now. And 
How are you seeing today when we think about the economic climate and really the need for SaaS optimization that historically might be give us better visibility and now shifting into something a little bit more direct to the bottom line of most companies? Something that, and this has come up in the past few weeks with a lot of customer meetings, we are seeing people and a lot of people went through the Great Recession. People went through kind of tightening their belts around the pandemic as well. So people are being very proactive around kind of seeing the trends in the market today and what that ultimately is going to mean a little bit longer term into this year and next. So a lot of slowing down around hiring, of course, and therefore, if you're not bringing on as many people, maybe there's a temporary freeze, then you're not needing to acquire new licenses. And then for, let's say, the the technologies that you do have in place, like to your point, like the conversation has shifted, not for every customer, but for it's starting to happen with our customers, especially depending the sector that they're in, being very intentional around optimization, right? Not just, okay, yeah. visibility, you know, might may have just been like a big, kind of a big focus for them. It's now where can they be a little bit leaner? Can they be intentional around the technologies, maybe the number of technologies they're using in a specific area? So rationalizing or just optimizing, you know, when they're renewing or just currently what, what they have. There's definitely a And we've seen it here in the past, specifically the past month, there's been a lot more conversations around leveraging a SaaS management platform to do that. And then especially the SaaS consultants, right? Because we're here to support every single one of our customers. And so really helping them, again, kind of tune whatever needs to be tuned there. And a lot of that right now, to your point, it's optimization. Yeah. I think what we're seeing right now is the beginning of budgeting season and we're hearing from a lot of customers that budgets are steady, budgets are static, hiring is looking a little more static across many organizations now, and the time for optimization is coming back into focus, where the CFO and the CIO work in tandem to deliver that full strategy across software. Across many of our customers, outside of headcount, it's the number one line item, it's OpEx, certainly flexible. So usually companies are looking directly at software as areas that they can optimize. They know a lot of the intrinsic challenges with software today. They know they have too many solutions, overlapping and redundant solutions today. And where a year ago, moving from 13 different video conferencing solutions down to 10 was a little bit more of a political discussion. Now it's becoming more of a budgeted activity that is an expectation that you move from 13 web conferencing products down to five and a need for optimization all around that is critical. So at that point, data is everything to be able to make those decisions, to be able to lean into your budget process and to hit those targets that CFOs and CIOs are now collaborating around, you've got to have that data. So you're right at the at the entry point for a lot of our customers in earnest, starting to run those optimization efforts to support the back half of 22 and what looks to be a little bit more of an uncertain time than, than history. Absolutely. And that's where having the data is huge. You don't have it, then you're starting with a spreadsheet and you're probably starting with a few spreadsheets. So that's where, yeah, having it all automated, centralized in one location is a huge benefit from a time perspective. I mean, constantly we hear, we've spoken about it on a few other episodes of doing more with less. And then not only are you charged to do more with less, it's like, oh, and we need to save a million dollars this year or whatever. Yeah, whatever it might be. Everyone has a different moving target and it is changing week by week. 
So having the data there, that's huge. So organizing all of it, when we think about kind of going back to the maturity of where people are at, if they need to organize it, more focus on that. Often though, around optimizing it and how they can do that. We have a lot of ways that we can do that with insights and the ways that we're auto-generating a lot of these recommendations of where they can be a little bit leaner and meaner. And then something that came up a lot in my conversations last week was benchmarks, right? And because of course you have the data in your stack. And then like, how can we actually start to get those benchmarks so that they're saving time? They don't have a ton of resources. How can we make sure to like go into renewals and have like not waste my time negotiating? Like, hey, I'm going in for $20 a user or whatever it might be. Looking at those benchmarks or even, I mean, we see a lot in Corey, like we've seen a lot of uptick in our, just our services as well, because hey, there's the economic market. There's also the labor market. And of course, if you have the resources to use the benchmarks, great. A lot of companies don't. And so that's something as well that we've seen in this climate in the past year, really huge uptick in services because a lot of people are having a hard time finding procurement professionals, right? And people who can actually do negotiations on their behalf and, and all of those things as well. That's another kind of piece. Hopefully for our listeners to be able to learn a little bit more about what you do, the role you play, how you think about SaaS management. And it's been incredibly enlightening, hopefully for our listeners, as well as myself. I'm picking up things that I haven't learned about Ashley Hickman just today. And this has been a lot of fun. So I do want to close this out a little bit with a little more. If you've listened to any other episodes, we do a little rapid fire word association at the end with some topical titles. So I'd love to kick that off if that's okay with you. Let's go. Turnabout is fair play. So here you are. You're on the hot seat. Yeah. Okay. First up, Google or Microsoft? Microsoft all day. And I say this as, I mean, I've been brainwashed and I don't care. I was at a Microsoft partner and shop for six years. We're at Google shop here at Zylo. And I'm not going to lie. I miss Microsoft every day. I love that you're unapologetic around Microsoft. Okay. A little IT consulting word association, billable or non-billable? Well, billable because you had to... That's honestly moving to Zylo, not having to bill. That's pretty great. I'm not going to like word. Non-billable, like ideally non-billable life. That's what I lead now. Love it. But I enjoy spending my time doing billable work. So essentially working with our customers. I mean, that's why I'm here. That's why I manage our customer success team. Love working with customers. I love figuring out, like, give me a puzzle. Let's solve it. Let's figure out how we can make whatever you need happen. So that's, love doing that all day. Backing a little way from SaaS management, spring or summer? Spring. Why spring? Because it's not too hot. So I grew up in Florida and summer's brutal in Florida. So it's like, oof, I don't want that. I don't want the humidity. Virginia, also very humid. So spring is... We only get two weeks of it, but I love spring for those two weeks. And it's planting season, right? It is. It is. My garden's in a tip-top shape right now, Corey. Well, there you go. That's why I was asking spring or summer. So to your gardening question then, fruits or veg? Vegetables. (laughs) Because they're easier. I mean, yeah, all day. And we pickle. I pickle, in case anyone was ever curious. (laughs) Pickle vegetables. So love, obsessed with pickled vegetables. So in terms of like in my garden, it's I have a couple of blueberry bushes and a lemon tree, but otherwise straight veg. There you go. I love it. Growing everywhere, outside of work, at work. It's just all about growth. Well, Ashley, this has been a really fun conversation, hopefully giving our listeners a little bit of a, an insight into your world, what you're passionate about, why you're so successful helping our customers establish SaaS management practices, drive ongoing success. 
I consider myself pretty lucky to be able to work with you each and every day. Uh, you're a strong leader of our team and our customers. So thank you for that. And even more so, thanks for highlighting your journey as a part of the SaaS Me Unfiltered podcast. I had a ton of fun today. And I look forward to chatting with our customers in parallel with you as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'm excited about our next interview. Did you enjoy the episode? Pass it along to your friends. Subscribe to get notifications for the latest episode. Share your favorite takeaways and join the conversation on social media using hashtag SassMeUnfiltered. Unfiltered.